All right, let me just pull up your chart here, Mr. Uh, Hot Rod. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can call me Rodney, but all my friends call me Hot Rod, so you can call me Hot Rod, too. <laughs> sure, sure thing. Uh, so what bring what brings you into my office today? Uh, well, I, I've been I've been feeling so I've been having some uh, some stomach pains and to get a little too personal, uh, you know, it's it's things have not been moving smoothly. So I figured I'd check out my uh, local GI doctor and see what's what's going on. Well, I've seen my fair share of stomach, so I'll figure out what's wrong with you. Or my name's not Doctor Joe. All right, Thanks. let's. Uh, so let, let's just see. Uh, have you ever had any changes in diet or uh, stress patterns lately? Nope, nope. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm no longer on active duty, so my my diet and uh, stress levels are, are pretty pretty normal these days. Uh, I, I can't imagine what could have happened that would uh, you know suddenly make things rough for me. But all right, well, let me just do a quick uh, mini ultrasound here. Mm-hmm. Okay, looks good. Looks good. Healthy duodenum. Uh, I pride myself on that. Oh no, this is this is strange. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you seem to have a, I don't know how to phrase this exactly, a bunch of little men running around inside of you. Oh, yeah. So that probably deserves some explanation. They're like hiding between the cilia in your small intestine and shooting at your ulcer. Oh, well, this is this is just awful. How on earth did this happen? Oh, it's it's funny you should ask that. So, uh, it went, back in my army days, uh, I over underwent an experimental treatment to uh, deal with the large amounts of uh, snake venom that were running rampant through my bloodstream. It's it you know it's a minor form of hazing back in those days. I see. I you, see. You'd, you'd see how many snakes could bite you before you passed out, and I used to be real strong. So. Well. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, uh, seven or eight cobras, uh, all 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 nibbling at my arms. It, it really did a number on me. So they gave me these uh, these drugs. Are you saying that this doesn't happen for many people? Um, this is the first time that that I've seen it. Of course, I'm sure. Uh, civ- c- civilian naivete. <laughs> well, well, it, they should be fine as long as they, if you can get them to stop fighting somehow. Perhaps uh, an antacid or a uh, hmm. Hmm. What if what if you just talked to me real condescending like and uh, told them to simmer down and fly right? Oh oh okay yes of course. Hey there, w- what are you doing in there? We're fighting this snake venom. Uh, all right. Yeah, it's everywhere. Well, don't you know that uh, peaceful resolution is a better way for a healthy body and a healthy colon than trying to just fight everything down and make sure that you chew your food and chew your problems into bite-sized pieces so that they don't flare up like this. I never thought of it like that. Well, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. 
<laughs> oh, and if you have the same shit on two <laughs> successive days, that's wacky. You're into some time shit then. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to refer you to a specialist. <laughs> time colon. <laughs> time GI doctor. <laughs> time colon GI Joe. Man, G.I. Joe Time Wizard would be good. <laughs> I They got into some weird, like, occult stuff later on. They do. I mean, like, the the, the, Cobra, the Cobra team, as I can understand it, Cobra Command is basically Nazis. It's just different Hydra. Yeah, it's very similar to, to Hydra. And, like, you know, real-life Nazis were like, hey, Spear of Destiny, let's check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, they love that stuff. Love, not loved, because we're dealing with them again. Right, it's a past tense situation. And what's what's happening in our past tense today, Ben? Uh, What's happening in our past tense is intense. We are talking about... uh, Camping. Yeah. uh, uh, Start over. The fucking segue. Uh, (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And this is the podcast where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. Yes. And today, what are we talking about? We are talking about G.I. Joe, a real American hero on this, the Carton Cast, a real American podcast. Not bad. Uh, it, I sometimes have... they're just like, they're right there. Yeah, but I mean, like, why go out of your way? Well, sometimes uh, I have to. I, I'm going to have a hard time doing this podcast today for a couple of different reasons, which I hope you'll let me explain. <laughs> okay reason the first that ulcer uh, it is oh well, <laughs> well i didn't sleep well last night i'll get more into that in a second reason the second um i uh, reason the second is part of the gi joe theme song is still playing in my head so it's a little just hard to focus gi joe is there <laughs> god it's so campy yeah just i mean like the 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 recruitment movie at the movie theater trailers just ad nauseum the the military approach in like their uh, propaganda really moved a, a long way from mash uh and then third reason is that i cleaned up a lot of my old kind of clothes last night and separated them in piles but because i didn't store them all in my dresser means i kicked up a bunch of dust so my nose is running like a six million dollar man and i don't know how well i'm going to be able to focus that sounds awful <laughs> it's not the best it's not the best. Ooh, that'd be like, uh, that, that That could be a Cobra villain. Get his own, like, three-part uh, three part special. I mean, if Crimson Twins could make it in there. What was, like, what did they do? I just don't, you know? <laughs> like, Cobra Commander or Bust, as far as I'm concerned. What are your special powers? We're twins. Mmm! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you incapacitate one of us, the other goes right down for the count. <laughs> But surely it would be better if one of you was acting as a backup for the other one. Wait, at the the moment in the first episode where one of them says, I feel everything my brother does, I'm like, oh, that is awkward. <laughs> so why do you think that you should get this job? Well, you see, oh! <laughs> <laughs> ah, g- good job, Chase. Wait, ice tongs, ice tongs! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh... So yeah, we're talking about G.I. Joe. This is a huge franchise. Yeah. And we should uh, we should try to talk about it as, uh, as a collective, um, as this particular show, and then of course as the immortal PSA segments. Right. Uh, so starting off, uh, the G.I. Joe, you know, series and concept began all the way back in 1963 
uh, Sam Weston introduced them to Hasbro with the idea that, like, boys wouldn't want to play with dolls, but we still need to prepare them for Vietnam. <laughs> I don't know if that was the conceit. Uh, the term GI originally refer, uh, referred to galvanized iron, which was a material used in the armed forces. And then later they were just like, oh, GI, government issued. Okay. And now armed forces members are just called general GIs. Issue. Or general. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize that it actually had a, it, it got backronymed like that. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, uh, Uncle Sam, like US. Oh, sure. They yeah, thought it meant I something mean, else. Uh, those Americans, they just love their 72-ounce steaks and acronyms. <laughs> Initialisms. Oh, you, you got me there. Um, but G.I. Joe, a real American hero, which is the show we're talking about today, ran from 1983 to 1986. It's tricky. Like, I keep getting contradictory information about when it started. Yeah, I, I think it's because, like, a, a, a couple different people, a couple different companies, like, touched the same property. Yeah, so like Sunbow and also ha- uh, uh, whatever. Maybe DIC. it was eighty three when it started uh, production, but it's generally referred to as the eighty five uh, series and then the eighty nine. Mm-hmm. So it started off in the control of Sunbow Productions, who were also responsible for Transformers and Gem and the Holograms. So like it was a natural fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after they failed to produce a third season, they lost the license to it, and Deke picked it up. Uh, in 1989 for a, a few years yeah I, I didn't watch any of the deke stuff i went i went right back to the source i went straight to the tap it's basically the same but it gets wackier that that is a shame because i i really liked how grounded this was in a very even though like parts of the grounded realistic nature of this was a very i just saw you cover your mouth when you went to cough yeah I, i'm growing was so nice <laughs> um so it, apparently, like, Deke got the other thing, and they did a five-part miniseries called Operation Dragonfire, and then they dropped the animation Dragon quality Thunder after Undertaking. that. Yeah, it sounds like a Dragon Force album. <laughs> uh, and then they cut the animation quality, but mostly all I noticed was, like, all right, first season plot, Cobra infiltrates a counterterrorism meeting to blow it up. Yeah, they do. Final season plot, Cobra goes underwater to steal gems but they encounter a pink magic eel that guides them to an alien rock sphere. <laughs> and the alien comes out and is like, we destroyed our own civilization. You must fight for peace. And the G.I. Joes are like, we're trying. It's hard. <laughs> it's so hard to fight for peace. You're not allowed to use guns or nothing. There's no sanctioned torture. I can't even tell you, great pink water serpent. Can't we screw for virginity instead? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so that that is, like, the very basics of G.I. Joe, but, like, let's also put this in context of the 80s, yes. which, marketing madness, we've dealt with it in He-Man and Thundercats and uh, a bunch of other stuff. Those Where are the- just, like, kind of the bi- biggest prominent examples of... You make a show because you're selling toys. And you sell the toys first. Like I said, G.I. Joe from the 60s. And then they also had their own uh, comic book from 1982 to 1994, which was produced by Marvel. Um, And so a lot of the plot lines come directly from the comic books. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, this is it informs a lot of what's going on in the show. For example, the PSAs, you know, you're going to have kids playing with it. Kids are your target audience. 50s era parents are really, you know, 
real nervous about uh you know we get giving their kids something that's going to promote the wrong ideas like hip-hop uh, um, I also so wanted gotta, to mention yeah, that the comic book was written by Larry Hama, who also created Bucky O'Hare. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did see some common, like, Bucky O'Hare threads, specifically the theme song, I feel like, is uh, <laughs> was de- developed with a very similar uh, theme in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, here's all of the plot with a jaunty tune. Bucky O'Hare. I'm jaunting around. Yes, I see it. Uh... So that is kind of the basics of the G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero series. One point, uh, one thing that we should note about the PSAs is that we have a lot of internet, um, we, we've, we've got some meme status. This is maybe one of the first kind of memetic YouTube parody videos that I'm familiar with and definitely caught the attention of a lot of my friends in high school. And we will definitely talk about that later (laughs) (laughs) yeah just just imagine how yeah like ridiculous something has to be to go viral before youtube existed uh can you even imagine so this was like e-bombs world and stuff Uh uh-huh yeah so so that's that's something uh another thing is they all and, and we'll get into this more but because they were sold as an action figure line that meant in the way that no military on earth operates everyone gets their own goddamn costume yeah so the which is I- delightful the idea here is the gi joes aren't your average troops they're not even your marines they are a special forces unit they're um, like seal team six yeah special skills high-tech weaponry counterterrorism. And they're so, like a, they're like a global frequency. Yeah, yeah. So like they each have their own thing, which like I I was watching this and I was like, oh, this is like kind of like Legion of Superheroes in the way that it's like colorful stuff and they're fighting for justice and they each have their own gimmick. But because yeah. they don't have like superpowers, it it's a little duller uh, in it, that regard. It is, but it also forces them into a very creative. Uh, it forces them into a creative corner where they know that they have to do something to differentiate all of them because, and full honesty, I didn't recognize what, when, when I saw a particular GI Joe for the most part, other than maybe Lady Jane, mm-hmm. Lady Jane, but, but, but the, but the, uh, what, what it, what it forces you to do is rely less on the spectacle and do more with the dialogue to get those characters through and I, the dialogue in this is amazing. Interesting, because I started off hating it, and now I've like middled out as like it has a high variance, and it's sorta in the middle. I'll I'll provide some examples as is necessary, but it's <laughs> it is so good. It is the best part of the show. Not close. Interesting. Yeah, I, I guess we'll have some stuff to talk about in that. Um, I think one of the ideas behind differentiating like this, of course, is is to sell toys, and there are enough Joes to keep people buying toys, uh, and they each like get their own episode where it focuses on them. But there's also few enough of them where you can kind of get to know and relate to them if you keep watching the show, and there's a real sense of weight if they're threatened, because like, you know, they have enough of these guys that they're somewhat expendable. Yeah, I, I, I didn't find that to be true. I thought that there were too many, or rather too many to care about. It felt like more of a Young Justice Season 2 than a Young Justice Season 1. I think you pick out your favorite. I mean, like, that's certainly true. I uh, there, There's definitely a couple, like, I mean, Roadblock is, is Bay, 
but uh, you know that I, I didn't particularly recognize many of them. Not helped by the fact, or maybe is helped by the fact that because they're GI Joes, because they're you know action figures, and because costs being what they were in that era of toy making. Uh, they do just use the same mold for many different action figures. Yeah, so I hope you like Which means that they all men. have the exact same build. Yeah. But because they're not, you know, various different races in Thundercats or a bunch of different weird shit in He-Man, it actually makes sense that they would be pretty similarly built, especially if they're, like, you know, kind of a uniform band of government agents. Like, you're not going to have a weird serpent on on payroll, right? So, so it actually it actually sort of drives the narrative of them being an elite fighting force to have them be the same same yeah. uh, body type. And Ben, if they all have the same body type and they all have the sort of "Hey, we're Americans, we're the good guys" type spirit, um, how do we differentiate them? <laughs> well, well, uh, they each bear a manner of. Fabulous, <laughs> fabulous <laughs> costumes. Right, um, very bright, very primary color. Um, you know, there's some camo, but not nearly as much as you'd expect. It's never camo on the whole body. It's camo <laughs> shorts or a camo open vest or some crazy shit like that. <laughs> and it looks great. Oh, yeah, I, I really love the way that they look. But also, Ben, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, that's how they look. And you can tell them apart. Um, how do you distinguish their personalities? Uh, I, I kind of d- didn't for a lot of it. Okay, Glad, so, you... so you were not hit over the head with the overwhelming degree of stereotyping here. Oh, no, I wasn't. I actually, uh, I didn't pick up on much of that at all. Like, they're, like, every Joe is, like, from a different place and acts as that place. Like, the accents, the mannerisms, the cultural references, they're all very localized. I don't, I don't... I didn't find that to be the case. I, I guess I did with one of the PSA moments that I looked up with, uh, I think his name was Spirit. Yeah, he's no brave star. He's, he's, he's a rough, he's a, he's a rough sell. I didn't think that roadblock, like, you know, suddenly started talking in jive and abonics or no. Did, did that happen for you? No, it was much more like regional. Like there was a Cajun guy and he kept on talking about like gumbo and crawfish. And then <laughs> that, that's pretty irritating. <laughs> <laughs> and I there was like found... uh there was a communications expert from the south and he was like you know i only care about communication so that i can listen to my country music i'm like all right guy. <laughs> it, i don't actually have a problem with that <laughs> in the same way that i would have a problem with the racial stereotypes sure i mean there were i guess there weren't a ton but <laughs> it, it's really just spirit like all the other race races that were kind of portrayed in the guise of uh good demographics good um Good diversity. Spirit, for the record, is a Native American uh, who looks like, you know, a Native American chief, uh, like you see in cartoons, like uh, like in Brave Star. And he carries around a bald eagle named Freedom, and he just launches (laughs) it at people and shouts "Freedom," (laughs) which is kind of ironic. I, uh, it's you know, it's interesting because like they treat Roadblock fine, and they treat Quick Kick. That's the uh, the Asian American. Oh, okay. The and he he behaves like I, I don't know how much of an Asian American stereotype this is, but he is constantly quoting uh, you know his favorite chauvinistic Western movie stars like oh, Jimmy Stewart and that's and John Wayne and like he's just constantly pulling quotes from movies. Yeah, it's a degree of characterization that was probably fine at the time. Uh, it's just <laughs> occasionally it really hit you. 
Yeah, it's yeah, they're riding a weird line and they hadn't figured it out yet. And, you know, maybe, oh, we know how to be sensitive to African-Americans. They have no idea how to be. We still don't know how to be sensitive to Native Americans. <laughs> yeah, it's a work in progress. Um, you can tell the good guys and the bad guys apart also by their accents because uh, good guys have American accents and bad guys are British Cockney or Australian. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That, that, that's or one robotic of the things that we're going to talk about. That's one of the things we're going to talk about is that the Cobra Command, there, there's a couple things differentiating them from the Joes. Two two things, I think, that are very important to point out. First, they're all stormtroopered up. They are wearing uniforms. They are all indistinguishable henchmen. And that is not how the Joes do. Well, the elites of Cobra are, you know, you can tell them apart. Yeah, but they're, they're for, like, all the foot soldiers do not have their own you know, fashion pizzazz that they're mm-hmm. allowed to parade around on casual Friday or whatever. Right. Like, but, but all the Joes are out and proud and we'll get to that in a second <laughs> and just being very colorful and, and wearing whatever they want, which is, you know, I think it goes along with the whole freedom thing, even if it clashes a little bit with the, we are a military organization thing. Yeah. It's confusing. <laughs> it, it, it's a little, the message is a little bit muddled. The second thing that differentiates them is how they do their voices. The villain voices are all effeminate and like whiny and like you were saying, British and Cockney and and doesn't really doesn't really touch the spirit of a man's man baritone. Yeah, the, the Wild West and the villain is like, you know, from Wall Street or from, uh, you know, from France. Yep. One of those yep. countries what needs some Americanizing. Yep. Just ship them some guns and tobacco. Yeah, the, uh, but, but all of the Joes are talking with the the heartiest man's man kind of dialect and and tone that they can, including know. the women. The the Cobra Commando like leader <laughs> actually like his voice is very iconic. It's it's like eh, like I'm going to destroy yeah, like the world. I mean, like we got that with uh, with with Skeletor as well. Like this is a thing that that does happen. I, I think he's even more over the top than Skeletor. Like, he's constantly he, bursting through walls screaming, Cobra! <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, I kind of <laughs> like that. Like, everyone and, just and shouts not, things constantly. You're, you're not wrong. It, that is how it goes. It just, uh, I, I thought that it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought that that was, I thought that that was, you know, I, I think that that was a thing that they were trying to say, is like, these, they, this this team is not real men. Our team is real men. Yeah. It's like kind of like a dog whistling for counter, like real bravado and masculine behavior instead of like the kind of feminine behavior that they, they, they portray themselves as. Yeah, it's, it's a real, uh, it's not quite a frat house, but it's definitely, <laughs> it's very close to a frat house. It's definitely shummier than a military organization. <laughs> it's not quite a business. It's not quite a frat house. It's something in between. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned that there are a couple of women on the team. Uh, I saw Lady J and Scarlet. Yeah, uh, and I think Lady J is uh, voiced by uh, BJ Ward. I, I didn't look. There were just so many characters. I didn't look up the uh, voicing. Me, I'm going to look it up because I, I want to know this. <coughs> so give me one second. Um, I actually uh, liked the... Scarlet. The, yeah, I actually like the women characters because... Um, you know, everyone is kind of one note stereotype and you can't just have woman as the character trait. So they actually get like, they're pretty badass. Yeah, I, I, I passes the Bechtel test. 
I saw those. I saw Scarlet and uh, Lady Jane talking about a thing that was not men. It would have been nice if there were more than two. You know, it's uh, it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> I actually went and watched an episode where Quick Kick had a girlfriend who was uh, at a who was you know at a college and really wanted to be a GI Joe. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, like that, and that that was kind of an interesting. He's portraying some really chauvinistic, pig-headed attitudes, and she's you know being pretty defensive about it but it's portrayed in a way that is like no quick kick you absolutely should not be judging her on these merits (laughs) which is like it's like pretty cool as much as they maybe didn't get the diversity entirely right they did something here for feminism yeah like uh i i think that the idea of it it very easily could have been they very easily could have dropped the ball on this especially if we are marketing specifically to young men who are into action hero stuff, how easy would it have been to just have all the women be damsels? Yeah. But they yeah. don't do that. They actually include them in the action figures. I uh, I posted on Facebook, I don't know if you saw, mm-hmm. I clipped out uh, an image of Lady Jane holding like a spear with her awesome haircut and lipstick that for some reason she continuously wears. She looks so amazing. Like, <laughs> if I had known... That this was part of G.I. Joe, I probably would have checked it out far earlier. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, pass on feminists. Pass, uh, we get a pass on the feminist angle. We get, like, a partial credit on the diversity uh, angle. And I'm not, you know, pro-war, but if you're gonna war, everyone should have a turn, right? <laughs> it's only fair. Um, do we want to talk about any characters in particular? Because a lot of it's just like, oh, these are the Joes we're dealing with today. I don't know. I like. I, th- I think it's, like... Let's talk about them as, like, kind of a group, and we can maybe talk about specifics as we go through them. Okay. So, um, for, first thing to note, the code names. Code names. Then let's see how many Joes we can list off the top of our heads. Okay, there's Quick Kick. There's Roadblock. There's Mutt. Gung Ho, which, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about how he's designed. <laughs> uh, Lady J, Scarlet. Yep. Uh, we got um, Wild Bill. We got Snake Eyes. There's uh, it's not Shore Leave, but like because like uh, the Venture Bros like copied clearly Shore Leave. <laughs> it's clearly Shore Leave <laughs> and Sky Pilot from Venture Brothers. There's so many references to Venture to this from Venture Brothers that oh, I yeah. now get, and I'm so happy about. It. Like Snake it, Island, same thing as Spider Skull. It, it is second after Johnny Quest in terms of its uh, influence. There's a episode in Venture Brothers where they sing, where the OSI, the Office of Secret Intelligence, do like a, I think it was like a Brock training flashback episode, Mm -hmm. and they do a song for OSI that is suspiciously similar to this (laughs) song. (laughs) OSI, yeah, fighting for freedom wherever they go, you know, like that kind of. Yeah. Um, There's Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, there is. Uh, General Hawk. There's a bunch of them that are just like Biome Joe. Yeah. Snow uh, Job. <laughs> snow Job. <laughs> How did that get past? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Alpine Joe. You know, th- there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's there's a there's a surprising amount. You could just make them up. Scuba Joe, like that probably exists. <laughs> yeah, Lizard Man Frank. I mean Joe. <laughs> 
Lizard Man Frank, I mean Joe. <laughs> yeah, because he's a bad he's bad at disguises. He's bad at names. Uh, villains, I remember a few as well. There was, there was Zartan. Uh, Don't remember him. He he was the master of disguise. Oh, uh, I remember there was Destro, who, you know, this this is your Beast Man. This is like kind of not a second in command, but like a, a close mercenary ally to Cobra yeah. Commander. And I liked their relationship a lot too. There's Serpentor. Um, the Baroness, because you got to have a uh, one lady in there. Yeah, yeah. So that this is it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I can't keep any of these code names straight at all. You know, you can tell them apart by sight more than by name, unless you're really invested. So, so it, it functions into that branding thing. Yes, that's true. It, it, it's a little bit weak in making me want the toys because. I don't know if if there was a better way to tell them apart other than to just learn the name and apply it to the model, then I probably would have been more prone to, I don't know, like name recognition is a thing when you're buying a toy and I don't have name recognition for any given one of them except for like Roadblock and Gung Ho. Mm-hmm. And those are for very specific reasons. <laughs> well, we'll get uh, to that. Yeah, uh, we should maybe try to talk about how just stereotypically homoerotic and gay looking a lot of these costumes are ben this was the 80s this was the era of schwarzenegger where he's just like you know shirtless and oiled up in a jungle like wrestling his enemies into submission like this was what manliness was (laughs) right but like with also like a healthy uh removing of all the body hair and getting a crew cut and you know like back to the frat makes house the models thing. easier to make in the plastic mold i know but like back to the frat house thing that you were talking <clears throat> about like they all look pretty stereo like i mean specific like okay wild bill looks like that one cop from reno 911 that wears the shorts and the sunglasses yeah. <laughs> and the big bristly mustache all the time yes and roadblock has like a camo wife beater and a thick mustache and he's like <laughs> entirely bald it's like a pretty like i don't know i feel like i've seen this guy at a specific place before <laughs> a lot like, of specific like not, places if it's a busy like, weekend yeah and not not to like be homophobic or, or shame or anything but like these are the stereotypes i'm familiar with whether i apply them or not is not really the point the point is that gi joe seemed to want to apply them and i guess they weren't maybe the stereotypes back then but i don't know and then gung-ho is i mean that's real aggressive he's got camo pants and an open shirt and again with the bushy mustache yeah you put some chaps on there you don't notice Mm -hmm. and and you know i i looked around a little bit the internet provides um there are people who (laughs) i hate this motto of yours (laughs) there are people whom you know realize they were gay through playing with gi joes oh really yeah i I actually read this really cool huff post article about like uh, my parents didn't want me to play with the Barbies because, you know, that'd be, you know, that'd be that that would, that would make me seem kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So they gave me the G.I. Joes and just like all I wanted to do was dress them I'm like, OK, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, like, I think that's kind of a funny like don't play with the Barbie, play with the G.I. Joe. You got it, Dad. <laughs> why why you want to take said. ballet? You should play football where you touch a bunch of men. Pat on the butts. <laughs> <laughs> touch a bunch of men. Yeah. So like I I don't know like I, I like probably not intended as gay iconography but it well, is you know, impossible. Well you know if you're trying to, to have representation it. it could be a way to like sneak stuff by because like you know the village people were around back then you know what you're looking for like it it could have been but I kind of doubt that it was intended that way. Mm-hmm. 
You know, like, you had to slip stuff past the sensors? The sensors were, you know, on the top of their game back then. <laughs> so They just wanted money. I did want to point it out, because it's it's impossible to ignore. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's something. Um, other character stuff... Um, you know, like I said, in once Deke takes over, things get a little wackier. Mm-hmm. Um, Cobra Commander, in particular, like throughout the series, is just like a very over-the-top villain. Um, he, his voice especially made me think of Roger Klotz constantly. Interesting, yeah, like the sort of bullying. Like he's he's a bad leader. He's he's constantly throwing temper tantrums. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I remember yeah, and, and one... like oh, so so ego focused. Like mm-hmm. one episode, he steals a giant laser just so he can carve his face on the moon. Yeah, like, for like, what purpose? Like he's trying to be evil. It's like um, you know, in My Hero Academia, the the guy with the hands on his face, uh, Shigaraki. Yes, I got that sort of sense from him. Where it's like, I want to be the cool boss man. Let me play with my toys. Like, yep. Yeah, and, and if you try to disrupt him, he's like any Apex Legends player who thought you should have done something different in the game. Yeah, like the worst of the Fucking internet. Fucking noob. Um, when his men couldn't steal something, his punishment for them was to cut the whole base off from watching cable TV. And he made, <laughs> he's like, that's it. No more cable TV. <laughs> that's so good. It's like, <laughs> And it's like, it's a perfect way to point, paint him as anti-American anti-american and also to like put the stakes in kids terms like Go to oh your room like oh no how are they how are they gonna watch gi joe without TV? <laughs> those are the stakes <laughs> how are they gonna find out how he gets out of this one um yeah he, he cobra's real fun like i like him a lot i i think we should maybe discuss his attire oh they're just like clansmen clansman robot reptile like yeah. pick, pick your every evil yeah <laughs> like i mean like it couldn't have been accidental to have him wear a hood like that right i mean like that's and like it's an evocative it's evocative imagery but it's evocative because it's like kkk shit right which is you know bad it's um, bad it's like if you're gonna make a villain and you make him the KKK. Like, I don't know how insensitive versus just accurate that is, but, you know, it's it's something. It's something to point out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they also have, uh, it, again, in Venture Brothers, they uh, have a bunch of guild operatives wearing those masks. Oh, um, just because just it's really good as, like, a, like a ground creeper kind of... Yeah. yeah. Kinda Did look? you take note of any of, like, the snake, uh, snake theming on the names of the various... Um, cobra command kind of forces um i like serpentor or are you getting uh, more I was subtle specifically than that? thinking about like if he would you know dispatch a couple of copters that they would be called mm-hmm. the rattlers yeah yeah like it's it's everywhere like he's it's pretty good this is this is another one of those like america things where it's like our team has a ton of diversity and different skills and it makes us strong and your stuff is monolithic and single focused and that's why it will always lose and he runs his and he runs his organization like a business, not like a frat. Yeah. E- so like e pluribus unum. Yeah. So like, uh, let, let's talk about Destro for a second. He's sort of a freelance merce, a, a freelance merc that mm-hmm. Cobra regularly gets weapons or muscle from, and they kind of have that grudging antagonistic respect that you found in He Man with, 
um, Beastman and Skeletor. Yeah. And I totally bought it, actually. Like, I, I thought they behaved very differently, and the, you know, you know, uh, Destro was clearly more competent, but followed a code, whereas Cobra was devious and kind of played by his own rules and, and didn't really respect uh, some of the stuff that Destro was bringing to the table. I, I thought it was more of a business-like relationship than the Joe's chain of command. Definitely. And they do a good job of distinguishing hero from villain, like in the way that they act and also just the way that they look. Um, there was that one villain, uh, the the ninja dressed all in white. I don't remember his name. Um, was it White Ninja? No, it was like Shadow Strike or something. Oh, that's oh, that's so good. And they, uh, I mean, like they've got a talent for names <clears throat> here. And you look at him and you're like, he doesn't look like a Cobra villain, but then it turns out he switches sides at some point in the series. Of course. So you're like, you're like you can tell. Such. Yeah. Um, did you happen to... Um... Oh, shoot. How do I do this? Sorry, hang on a sec. Okay, we're good. Did you happen to note any personalities in the, in the Joes? Because I had a couple that I wanted to bring to mind if, if, if you are game for that. Um, you know, I, 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 the overwhelming sense of just camaraderie and being a good guy kind of overwhelmed me. I didn't, I didn't distinguish them too much. Well, I talked about quick kick already, but also roadblock has a real talent for, uh, a real talent for wordplay that I want to bring up. Mm -hmm. I'll go into dialogue a little bit right now. Um, so, uh, the, 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 the things that, um, Roadblock said, what, the, here are a couple of quotes from Roadblock, which is, Cobra's got the Delta Station. They're planting cubes throughout creation. And if we don't start retaliation, we're sunk. And that's no bunk. <laughs> yeah, so, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is what I'm talking about, the dialogue. They just put so much attention into it. They're, well, it's this so bad, bad it's good. It, it's so... They had to make an episode a week, pretty much. And they still combed through the script and made sure all of these lines absolutely pop if they can <laughs> yeah um i when um you know growing up we watched homestar runner the cheat commandos series yeah I, I went back and watched some of it and i was like oh my god this is direct rip of gi yes. joe and i just never connected it because we didn't reference. watch this growing up but there was that character uh silent rip and like after a while it's <laughs> like rip. like he's trying to make uh some rhymes and they're just forced and somebody else is like are you even trying anymore like <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i think that's pretty great so he, he does a lot of stuff like that and i'm pretty into it mm -hmm. um lady jane i think is kind of the standout character for me you know she's she's so she's so much like obviously respected by every other joe Mm -hmm. and that informs a lot of her character it like informs a lot of the strength that she doesn't just shout from the top of her lungs like you expect her to as a woman in a man's world need to like kind of stand out but she's like so integrally connected and respected in the organization that she's just strong and stoic just like a lot of them it just doesn't and like every so often like a a skipper of a nearby you know ship is like women on a boat is no good it's like my old I'm a real crotchety old bastard, so fuck <laughs> off or something like that. And <laughs> love that phrase. That's a great catchphrase, Ben. <laughs> I'm a real crotchety old bastard, so so fuck off. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, oh, what was I gonna say? Women. Oh yeah. Um. 
and and the and and I I so so I saw her getting talked down by some salty old admiral, and the commander immediately rebuked him for it. Nice. And said something like, "She might be a lady, but she's also a Joe," or something like that. It's just like they're just really well respected. She's got her own nickname, Big Red. Big Red. I didn't know that. Yeah, like a lot of them, just like you know, the code name is one thing, but to also have a nickname on top of that. <laughs> There, there, I don't know. There's, it's really cool. I thought it's, that she uh, was, she was really great. She was a good character. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, the wearing Chris, lipstick Chrissy thing was is, watching. Is, rolls my yeah, eyes a little. I bit. I was watching but. an episode, and Chrissy was like on the couch nearby, and uh, you know, she saw Lady J, and she was like, "Oh no, what are they gonna do? This is this is gonna be a rough one for everyone." I'm pretty sure it's Lady Jane. I don't think you're right. Okay, let me see. This is important to me. Lady, oh, you're right. It is Jay. I kept on thinking Joe and Jane. I'm a like, cool guy. Uh, like, but uh, yeah, Chrissy like, was like watching. amnesiac patients. Chrissy was watching. And I was like, oh, she's a badass. This is great. Yeah, Lady Jay's great. Great, great, great. Again, with that image of her holding that spear. Um, there was a. Uh, <laughs> so this is a, the deepest of cuts. There Do was. It a uh, G.I. Joe fan film called G.I. Joe Battle for the Serpent Stone, which, like, it's 10 minutes, it's live action, and it hits all of the major, like, G.I. Joe points. Uh, But the person who played Lady J in that uh, film was my old director from Shakespeare Camp. (laughs) So it was just really unnerving to watch. Really? Yeah. Well, that's weird. Yeah. But then I I, I watched it after, uh, you know, checking out the show, and I was like, oh, man, they're... You know, the fans of G.I. Joe who grew up with it have internalized the way this show works to such a degree that, like, you know, you can write an episode of it, right? You can just bang one out right now. Yeah, it would not (laughs) be that hard. Just as long as you're faithful to the personalities such as they are. Mm -hmm. Make sure Roadblock does, you know, battle alert. We got snakes in the dirt. (laughs) God. (laughs) I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, that's about all I have to say about the characters. Yeah, me too. Uh, let, let's move into the tone and genre. Yeah, so this, um, you know, 80s censors were up up their own butts. Um, yep. It's not dark or realistic by our standards, but against He-Man, you can see that this was intended for a slightly more mature audience. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say that's certainly true. Or you at know, least they... one that wanted to feel mature. They they might not use the guns, but they do carry them. Uh huh. And they so actually it, fight. It is, <laughs> it is a little bit similar to He Man always carrying a sword and like posing with it, but never actually swinging it. Right, but they do do like other things. Like there's rockets and tanks and explosions, lasers like, and such. There's there's you know martial art fighting. There's a bunch of flips. Like they yeah, ke- it, they keep it's it more action oriented. Mm-hmm. More action, less adventure. Yeah, it it actually felt a little like Johnny Quest in that way. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it, it was more fast paced than Johnny Quest certainly, but it was not really about telling a story so much as setting up a scene. So, and then watching Race Bannon kind of move throughout that scene. Yeah, I think this show has even less in the way of like plot, uh, or at least there's it's really like, not much to it. It's riddled with holes, or at least gaps in logic. Mm-hmm. The the basic unit of an episode of GI Joe is about half a minute and it's some neat interaction that's slow but high stakes that you can recreate using your toys at home 
Yes, that's exactly right. And it's just those one after another connected by like a couple of plot fragments of like walking around the base. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it works. It works great. I'm like, oh, man, that was that was baller. I can see myself playing with toys to do that. Yeah. Like, I I don't we haven't really touched on it yet, but I think that this show is actually really cool. It, I, it grew totally on under, me. I, I totally understand its rabid fan base back in the day. I, mm-hmm. I understand its high market high market value back in the eighties. Um, I I think that you know maybe in in the way all eighties shows haven't aged well. This this one still holds up fairly respectably, just because they knew what the strengths were and really kind of capitalized on them. They're like, okay, we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna make sure the costumes are fucking perfect. <laughs> we're gonna have the dialogue as good as it can be to get through all these different personalities and get you to care about these toys. I would it just it worked really well. I wouldn't watch it on my own, but I wouldn't mind if like we replaced Super Bowl parties with G.I. Joe parties. Yeah, that would be great. I love <laughs> like, that. like that's exactly the kind of like have it on in the background, eat your chips and dip, chat around, and then it's like, oh, check out that. That was awesome. stupid and equally American. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, America uh, Plus. Yeah, I, I do you have any memories of G.I. Joe growing up? No, I never saw it. Me neither. It, it just has I such don't... a wide cultural permeation that like you know everything you need to know. Yeah, all all you need to know is like Cobra Commander. They don't have any kind of standout heroes, which maybe limits them in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like, I don't particularly care if I get a G.I. Joe commander, but if I'm going to have He-Man action figures, He-Man's absolutely got to be one of them. Right, exactly. It's it's, it's a more of an ensemble cast. Yeah, which is, which is fine. It just, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. So it, if, it, if you are buying G.I. Joes, you either buy them all or, like, don't buy any of them, well, it really. Well, keeps, it keeps things fresh. You know, it gives everybody their time to shine, and it gives everybody who has just the one action figure uh, an episode where they're like, oh, my God, this is my guy. Mm-hmm. Or or my, you know, truck. Yeah. How, how much of this show do you think was trying to prep kids for the recruitment office? Um, Probably not as much as they might have thought. Like, it, you know, I feel you, like you, it has to be part of it. You know, you you have, like, Captain Marvel, the movie, come out recently and, like, oh, the military, like, did some funding of that in exchange for some pretty pro-military stance. I didn't see a lot of, connect, like, uh, uh, deliberate connections. I think it was just a marketing decision of, like, this is what the kids are into. I, I don't know if there's none of it. Like, I, it's, it's not so much that they, you know, snuck subliminal join the navy advertising into the psas or super liminal you know gi like uh, like saying join the navy out loud while doing the psas i'm not suggesting that it was that explicit i i I mean this was this start you know the comics in 82 this started after vietnam so they're like trying to buy back some of that legitimacy yeah that, that could be it i also think that there's just an element of I guess legitimacy is the right way to put it. You you wanted to have these Joes be someone that you believed in. You wanted to believe in the military doing what was right and not necessarily seeing all the gaffes and errors that were made in recent months. So, you know, you, you tune into a military setting and see all of the Joes being good people 
with their own personalities and quirks and they're also they're not just a good military organization they're also kind of a good family so yeah. it sort of has everything that you would want to portray the military as they were trying to make this fantastical uh they were trying to make the military seem like you know this you know far, travel the world you can sail places, the seven seas in, in the, the navy. navy yeah and that's like i think that was a very 80s mentality thing where just like big strong guy fights obviously evil enemy you know like, like cobra his goals are not entirely clear we just know that he loves terrorism and terrorism is just like the name of the day yeah because it's vague enough but evocative enough we're like we're obviously right well i mean like and that's what cobra does like it, he is doing just terror just generic terrorism it does seem like it doesn't go any further than that like he has a plan he tries it it failed it, it's it's very similar to like the skeletor is like we don't know how skeletor is connected but he wants some bullshit and we're just gonna <laughs> stop him because that's got to be a good idea but you know like the the, the ideals that the gi joes promote they're all thoroughly american you know we love freedom we hate terrorism yeah idealized and we're american. going to, and we're going to reach for our ideals through diversity and a positive message and I think you are. I think you are right in claiming that the military gave like tacit approval of this because it tried to buy back some of that legitimacy lost. Mm -hmm. At least, I mean, like I don't have specific, explicit pieces of evidence to point to, but everything fits fits together very well if you kind of think of it in that way. Yeah, I, th I think that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know about how i feel about how realistic the military setting is you said it was mature but there's some real ridiculous stuff that does not behave like a military organization that just make it doesn't make it feel kiddy so much as surreal you know it's what we would call grounded fantasy or like you know dark gritty stuff like that like christopher grounded nolan's fantasy. batman movies like, it's clearly not a thing that happens, but it looks enough like our world that, like... Well, Batman is tonally consistent. You yeah. You know, like, uh, it, it, it might have, like, ridiculous characters running around shouting off nihilism and, you know, this bat-faced figure, bat-shaped, uh, this bat-masked uh, figure in the night beating up crooks, which is, like, why is that happening? Mm -hmm. it's, it's so... It's a very silly concept if you're not familiar with Batman, but, so, like, if, if you just take the bare bones of it, G.I. Joe does seem mature. We've got a military organization. They're fighting a terrorist group. They do it through positivity and American ideals. Like, all of that is very mature in the way that you're suggesting. It's when you start noting specific actions about their military that it becomes far, far crazy. <laughs> okay. For example, the costumes... There is no way that they would have this freedom to accessorize however they wanted on the field. Like, I, I, you know, it's, that's not how a military organization works. Well, I think it kind of makes sense for them, just in terms of, like, sometimes their personalized equipment helps them do their job. So, like, the guy who is a canine specialist with, a, with an attack dog, he's got those arm pads just in case, you know? Yeah, I, I can, I can... I would understand, like, all of them having the same uniform and one of them having a Bowie knife and one of them having a belt of grenades or something. <laughs> We're talking, you know, culottes and a, and a torn vest versus, like, you know, kind of like a, I, I don't know, like a, a real 
it, it's just like it's so yeah this was clearly a sacrifice for the sake of marketing yes and and it is cool and it is in the direction of the military or uh, of the american ideals but it is at the cost of a realistic military setting yeah well it's realistic in their world i don't i don't think i buy that (laughs) (laughs) it's fine like i i wouldn't want them to all be the same don't think that this is me saying they should have all the same costumes because good lord i could never imagine this show being any successful if that was the case let me let me make a point of comparison sure King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. You have this ridiculous premise, mm-hmm. and the characters are all perfectly consistent within that world, and so like there's a legitimacy there, but they all look the same, and you can't tell them apart. Yeah, here that's a you good point. can, and it actually like I can see them making a point of like or like justifying why they all look different, like. You know, in the in the fog of war, you need to know immediately who your friends are and who your enemies are. That's why you have a uniform. Right, but you also need to know which <laughs> friend they are because they each have different specialties. No, that's not how the military works. That's how this one, that's what I'm way, saying. It's in they their don't, world. <laughs> you don't have, like, color-coded Daleks for Steel Team 6. It doesn't work, like, you know, <laughs> they, 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 they all wear black because they're a special ops unit. They all wear camo because they're fucking hiding in a jungle. It's, it doesn't work like this. <laughs> but it can, but, and it should. Look, I'm not saying I dislike it. I think the costumes are, like, one of the best parts about this show. It's just, like, you know, and I said dialogue was the best. That's actually not true. The the costumes are probably the best. I'm just saying that it, it, it tears apart that mature militaristic setting that part of this is trying to shoot for. And I think, like, you can keep the stakes and the, you know, quote-unquote maturity of it. Without sacrificing that, because this is taking place in a world where fighting is done via gymnastics rather than gun battles. Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> the other thing. Like it, I mean, it it is consistently surreal with the rest of what's going on in the setting. So, like, I'm not saying it's not consistent. I'm saying that it clashes with the message of, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're in a military campaign." Oh wait, none of this works like a military campaign. Right. They're just constantly disobeying orders from a general. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it, so. Uh, my here's my ace in the hole for my point uh everybody is unarmored and stands on their vehicles in the middle of a firefight Mm -hmm. no yep no you don't do that that's not that's the reason the vehicle has uh it's the reason it's not a convertible well that's because you you don't want you get get your action figures that's how you're going to attach them you know there's no (laughs) there's no oh i'm going to take my action figure and just wedge him in here and attach the seat belt and <laughs> <laughs> well you, listen you have to wear your seatbelt. belt it's half the battle <laughs> it's so so like i mean look I'm, I'm not upset by any of it don't don't take this as me being upset that it's so surreal <laughs> because i would not change just, a thing about it just this doesn't stuff. make sense it's just ridiculous okay yeah i'll i'll, I'll take in on that and yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, like, the like show... half of it is like we're a very mature setting and then they're running around in these pink and gold outfits you know doing backflips and standing on their cars like okay are you are you really though <laughs> are you really a military setting it's it's closer to reality than he man i'll i'll leave it there <laughs> what a bar low bar i think that was another uh, i think that was the uh gymnast uh joe and you mentioned your ace in the hole so i think ace hole was another (laughs) is their kind of poker player like yeah undercover gambling ring specialist gambit 
Yes. He's <laughs> Anyway, uh, anything more in tone and genre? No, I don't think so. Then let's head into the intro. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is this is so great. This theme song might be the most dated part of this. I think it's amazing. Just just, just given our country's disillusionment with our own military. Like, yes. <laughs> so there's actually quite a few theme songs. I think you're thinking of the original one. Um, the music's actually pretty good, but the general theme is always like, America, fuck yeah. There, there's a there's one particular line in the theme that which is like they they shoved it in there and it didn't quite fit the meter, but they just like kind of trip over it and continue the the song where they're like, uh, saving the day till the job is done. GI Joe is there. Like they they trip over the last of it because it just doesn't have the right number of syllables, so they try <laughs> to cram it all into the end there. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, it's, it's, we'll bring it up. It, it's pretty funny. Never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will stay. It's a finisher. It's, uh, you know, it, it all gets there in the end. Yeah. <laughs> till the job is done. Um, yeah, but it is basically America, fuck yeah. And, you know, I, I possess the ability to separate my thoughts on the military to my thoughts on G.I. Joe. Yes. But I'm sure not everyone can. Uh, well, nowadays, maybe, but at the time, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was just a lot more trust in that institution back then. I also love a lot of the action movie uh, theming, like like the generic action movie shot. Yeah, yeah, because this, this show is much more about the one man is able. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's much more Rambo. Um, I like the close-up of a bomb counting down to zero. Mm-hmm. Classic. That, that's a that's a nice moment, and and I also like the rugby treatment they give to Cobra at one point. Oh, where they just tackle him? Well, like one like one of them throws him to another one, which throws him to a third one that tackles him. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, fastball special. Yeah, they like give him the treatment. Yeah, I I think it's a pretty good intro. Uh, what do you I think, think they would do to Cobra if they ever caught him? Oh, they let him go. Catch and release. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's a bigger fish. There's a bigger snake. <laughs> There's always a bigger snake. There um, is a, like I think there was a bigger snake. I think it was like Cobra Emperor or something. Oh, I thought you were talking about the light snakes that the uh, alien rock form uh, sent out. Yeah, it's like fine, just, 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 just no. It was a weird episode. <laughs> um, the the music in general has that generic '80s action feel. You know, you're gonna get a pulsing beat. You're going to get hit points to accentuate the fighting. You're going to have hero trumpets. Like, it's going to push you forward. Yeah, uh, it's... I, I, it, that, that is certainly true. It, uh, I, I, frankly, I love the intro. I think that it sounds really... It basically just, like, somebody... Re- uh, the guy from Bucky O'Hare reading a recruitment poster in the real world as opposed to in the Bucky O'Hare world. Right. You know, it, it, it's pretty much the same thing. It, it's exactly those movie advertisement trailers featuring kid rock you know but but much more you know much more positive and less like kind of gritty toads it's, it's a very snakes i don't see very, the difference it's a very um it's it's very captain america yeah it's it's it's, it's not merely american ideals but it's shiny spotless american ideals mm-hmm. yeah the, the kind of were like it's an it's an army recruitment poster or, or 
or a trailer, but you don't know that until halfway through. You're just like, oh, this, this is pretty badass. These guys are really kicking ass right now. <laughs> yeah, we got a bunch of we got a bunch of man's men's that I wants to dress up. The uh, <laughs> there there's this one bit in uh, the Injustice comic books. It's sort of like an you know by this point superman has been reigning supreme over the earth for a few years and a bunch of shit has gone down and he's losing his grip on on the hearts of the people that he's you know mm-hmm. ruling over and there's this one bit where this kid it's it's a, a whole chapter is about this kid who has a smaller lad one time he like fell off his bike and it got broke and superman was flying by picked him up and flew him back to his house and helped him fix his bike Aw. And he's like, I, you know, I, I, I never see Superman smile like that anymore. You know, all I see is this stern face. I, I miss the man of tomorrow instead of the man of steel. And it's, right. it, it's the same ethos that I think is comparing the Kid Rock thing to the um, G.I. Joe intro, which is it, it's the same. It's the same message. But the tone of it is very, very different. There yeah. is something, there's something really special about having this America, fuck yeah. But like, it's not America, fuck yeah. It's like American, oh baby. Yeah, when you're shilling for something that you that you buy into. Yes, when you when you're getting high on your own supply. Yes, <laughs> your own supply of freedom. Yeah, which now means marijuana. Um. Yeah, I I think that that is I think it's pretty great. I think that this intro is exactly what I would want in a show like this. Yeah, definitely. And within the show itself, like it connects those thirty second uh, action sequences, pulls them together. Mm-hmm. Just like an action movie, which you know there there's a market for that. It's it's surprisingly effective. Like you know, it might not have the like I don't think it was even my jam, even if I had seen it as a kid. But it's definitely quality. Yeah, it it is quality. It's got some of those bad rhymes. You know, they'll be there fighting for freedom over land and air. Yeah, you know, like a competent yet old action show is still better than a more modern, less well done. Like, I would watch this instead of Generator Rex. And of course, we're grading on that same 80s animation, limited animation curve where... Look, it it doesn't look good to watch. We know it. But once you grade on that curve, you realize how much attention there was to the parts of this that really sing. And it doesn't look great to watch because they only animated like every fourth frame or so. Like, this is very choppy. Well, that's why I think that the dialogue does so much work. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind us moving into into there. Because I don't think there's much more to say about animation. No, um, not not so much. Did you did you want to remark before we head out? No, I was just trying to think of other music things. Oh, sure. Well, l- let me think about. Let me talk about the the dialogue first. Yeah, because I I think that the dialogue is like really good as a you know that kind of business slash frat house that is Joe headquarters. I really like the mash esque funny dialogue, like camaraderie dialogue. It. it it sort of reminded me of the less serious parts of Battlestar Galactica because it's not a super serious saving Private Ryan affair where the cost of war is too heavy for them and we only look at them being in hardship. 
they pick up and put down the serious as the situation demands. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that gives it a more complete and realistic military feel. Yeah, MASH is a good touchstone just because the emphasis in that show was much more like, this is a more fight for survival, we care about each other so much, versus here it's just like, oh man, we care about each other, and and the mission, and like, oh, this is great. <laughs> Yeah, like, and they'll like quip to each other if if they're doing a good job. They're like, "Why well, should we ta- change them from cobras to water rats and like chase them into the sea?" What do you think of the uh, of their um, rallying cry, Yojo? I I think I like it. It's effective. I feel like it's the sort of thing like a kid would go around screaming, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so cool!" But to anyone else, it's just like, "All right, kid." It it is that sort of. It's like, it's like mean, time I, to duel. Like it doesn't yeah. feel as cool as you think it does. I, yeah, I mean, like I've got a respect for somebody who shouts "Yo, Joe," <laughs> and if somebody yells at me, it's time to duel. Well, I guess that I guess my afternoon just got taken up. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't check my Google alerts. <laughs> Google alerts duels in your area. <laughs> hot hot single duels in your area. <laughs> Yeah, that's a funny idea. I don't know. I, I think I like Yojo. It, I, it, but it, it is like I don't like. It's clearly good, but I have no clue what it actually means. I, it's just too hokey for me. It's pretty hokey, but the show's pretty hokey. I thought it was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know if I'd want someone screaming it in my face, but in the context of the show where the GI Joes are king shit on campus, you definitely like having everybody talk about them in revered tones is a good little bit of world building so mm-hmm. the fact that they scream yo joe when when the gi joe show up i think that's kind of cool yeah definitely in the yeah. context of the show if, if you're in the real world I, I can see the hokiness kind of playing out a little different it, it works as a way to like indicate like oh it's time to turn the tide of battle against these guys who are just shouting cobra yeah, yeah, the, the, their battle cry is not as good. Because <laughs> Joe is the collective and Cobra is just one guy. Sure. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I have I... one amazing dialogue example. Yeah, please. And this whole episode was so... This was the Deke run, so it was wacky as hell. So the general setup is um, the base is on high alert because they think Cobra's going to come and steal something. And tensions are getting high. You know, people have cabin fever. And so the general is like, oh, I'm going to bring somebody in to, like, do a comedy set because I love this comedian. So bring him in and, you know, boost morale. And it totally works. But here's the thing. Cobra found out about this. Oh, he's a spy. And disguised himself as the comedian. And then had the comedian under threat of violence talk in his ear giving him bits but the comedian's just like oh all of my jokes are gonna be about how dumb cobra commander is (laughs) and that's great but later on they're like having this big clash on a bunch of movie sets um and one of the joes who is for some reason a russian like it was 1989 like that was okay now and he's he's rescuing move on he's rescuing the movie star from a movie pirate ship that Cobra rigged up as a trap above a bunch of sharks. All of that setup was necessary. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm gleeful to be convinced. So the Joe is like, 
and remember this is in a Russian accent uh, oh I'm such a big fan of yours and and the movie stars like well how about rescue first and autograph later and then the cobras show up and they're shouting and they're saying how about sharks first and rescue never <laughs> and then and then the Russian Joe grabs a scimitar to cut a mask to fall down on them and says how about avast me hearties first and shiver me timbers right now <laughs> Oh, like man. it doesn't make any sense. Like I don't know, man. That, that really works for me. <laughs> I just want you to have an understanding of how weird these later ones got. Yeah, that that is extremely weird. But like they were doing that right from episode two. Because mm-hmm. let me share one of mine. With and I you. don't know if it was intentional. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I don't know. Like it sounds like this sort of thing that like someone who's first language is not english might you know might uh might might think to quip in such a situation somebody working on the show thought every line was amazing and cool i uh, yeah that person is me (laughs) (laughs) you worked on this yeah of course (laughs) were you the best boy the grip (laughs) what the best boy's grip i was cupbearer you were gripping the best boy (laughs) uh the uh so they, they were doing this even way back at the beginning there, I don't remember who it was who said it, and in most ways it really doesn't matter, but there's two people who are trying to infiltrate Cobra, and I don't know why one of them starts talking about public transit, but he says, funny-looking commuters on this line. I think we ought to see what they're up to. And then they, like, follow them and, like, see a, a couple Cobra guys just kind of chilling and, and, like, kind of motions for the other one to, like, come by so we can knock them out. And he's like, and here come our rail passes now. <laughs> and, like, you know, change into their outfits. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, that's, that's like it's pretty good. There, there's also like so like they have like the the jokey kind of dialogue down, but there's also some really cool dialogue that shows you just how close these people are. And I want to share one example that just blew me away. Okay. So in the episode where Quick Kick gets a girlfriend, um, the he's giving her a tour around GI Joe facilities for whatever reason, and uh, shows a- this girl Amber a bunch of stuff. It's Revealed later in the episode that there's a spy in um, in in uh, in Joe headquarters, and the commander says, "Quick kick, the spy is Amber. I want her here now." And then he goes because he's like keeps talking like a like a like a wet a, a, a Western hero. He goes like like Mae West said, "When women go wrong, men go right after them." And he gets up and leaves. <laughs> and Scarlet says, "I thought those two had something going. Doesn't he care that she?" And Commander cuts her off. Yeah, but he's not the type to show it. Aw. And that's it. Like, that's you know, nice like, characterization. Oh. Yeah, like, Scarlet, like, picks up on, like, this is a person who's important to to him, but he's still going to go do the job because the Commander said to. And then the Commander's like, I understand the emotions involved. He still has to do his job. He's not going to bring it up right now. We'll deal with it later. Like, it's just, like, very interpersonal understanding that is covered pretty concisely in a very quick moment i think that level of like intentionality comes through extremely well i just think they don't always hit it um and i think sometimes the way that sometimes the way that the lines are delivered um kind of detract from that sort of spirit like how uh there was one episode where cobra uh zartan master of disguise disguised himself as like a counterterrorism expert to go to a conference and his buddy was just like, "Hey, how you how you doing? How you how have you been?" 
And the level of awkwardness from this guy was beyond even like, oh, I'm undercover. Like, yeah. it was just like, I've never interacted with a human before. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you want to say dumb guy, say borderline special needs, that kind of like raising the obvious quotient of what you're trying to articulate it like kind of how lube from cat dog barely could even function yeah i was actually thinking about that the other day and like we should have a dumb character like test um where if you can see like if in an episode their brain falls out and they act the same that's too dumb (laughs) (laughs) like like the dumb character olympics yeah well like that yeah because that's that's doping (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can clearly tell that these athletes are doping. How can you tell? His tongue is staying hanging out of his mouth, and he's saying, duh. Yeah, he's a real dope. Mm-hmm. It's a doping yeah, skin. Yeah, you get the joke. No, I, I wanted to explain it, because I actually wasn't sure if you got the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Because, again, that delivery, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, you know... It's it's unfortunate that uh, that it falls down in places. All of the all of the kind of dumb joke that are embellished as though they're the best joke, you know, like all all of the little quips, like put mm-hmm. it in reverse or it's going to get worse. You yeah, know, like the just like quick dumb rhymes or very simple word association. They're smiling to themselves. They're like, "I'm Spider Man." It's it's that kind of not quite a joke word association that we learn to love in He Man. Mm-hmm. And I still love it. <laughs> like, I, I'm not bored of it yet. Um, it, it is unfortunate that they, that it falls down in some other places. But. It's, it's just, I think that a lot of the show hit me as inconsistent. Yeah. Some high yeah, highs, I mean, some like, low lows, is... some realism, some fantasy. It kind of was a lot of things to a lot of people. And I think maybe if I had watched a lot of it, I could get a good like statistical distribution of what this show is. But as it is, it's just a lot of sometimes contradictory flashes but the action is always the same the characters are always great the music's fine like the bones of this show are solid yes yeah it 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 is you know it it it's a very solid well-sculpted oily rippling beach bod whom has made some questionable fashion choices during the day and ben while you're sunning and tanning with your beach bod remember to wear sunscreen it's time to talk about the psa we gotta do it let's jump in gi joe will return after these messages at the end of most episodes again every scene in the show is 30 seconds long Mm. we get a setup we get characters we get a Joe showing up, we have an event, we have a resolution, all this in 30s. It's really efficient. It is. Um, someone, usually a child, because that's who's watching, does something wrong. And a Joe comes in just in the nick of time to tell them how to do it right. Yeah, and they, they're... So this did more to get me to learn their names than anything else that the show did. Snow job. Yeah, thank, thank, thank you. Thank you, small child, for cueing me in. <laughs> um yeah i i love these you know the, they're they're very special to me i think that the i think that these are the best psas i've seen so far mm-hmm. you know like he-man did it but i didn't really think that they were that good on the curve of psas 
These are exceptionally efficient. They're elegant. They make me realize that, like, the kind of confident, nonviolent masculinity that they're trying to promote in this show really comes through in those segments. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, like the two kids are playing, and one of them throws a ball, and it crashes through a window. mistake you're making the mistake flint anyone can have an accident but lying makes it worse but mom will be upset she'll be even more upset if you lie and how would you feel if billy got punished face up to what you've done don't take the easy way out we'll tell her we did it remember it's better to tell the truth and that's no lie now we know and knowing is half the battle and you know wild bill will go up he's like hold up there what you really want to do is tell the truth, because how would you feel if he got in trouble instead? I never thought about it like that. Now I know. Knowing's half the battle. Like, it's just so quick, and he didn't do anything except for show up and kind of, you know, wrap him on the knuckles. Yeah, and, like, it's it's usually, like it's an actual public service announcement. You know, it's not just generic, like, you know, you should be good to your friends and family. It's like, that's what He-Man oh, did. If if you're if you're near a lake that's frozen over, you can't trust that ice. You might fall in. If you do that. If you're if you got a bloody nose, don't tilt your head back the way your teachers tell you to. I didn't know that until I started looking up the PSAs yesterday. You're supposed <laughs> to tilt your head forward. Did not know that. The uh, and it's not like in Captain Planet where it's like hey, you know, it'd be really cool if you planted a tree. And it's like, that's a field trip. Like, that's a day planned kind of thing. Like, what yep. are some quick bits of advice that you can give me that might save my life? Don't it's jump so your practical. bike over power lines. Great. Fantastic. Went to figure that out on my own. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how ubiquitous all of these childhood stories are, but, it, you know, I I totally agree. They're, they're very concise, practical bits of information as articulated through an authority figure that I now trust. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the thing. That's the thing we got in Brave Star, is that he was an authority figure we wanted to believe in. And if you were to do it again, you know, th- there's been various remakes in movies, but I think if you really wanted a broad section of the population to get behind it, 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 it couldn't really be military anymore, but maybe like Coast Guard. Yeah, I mean like... Or like, I, or like emergency responders, like, yeah, these are the real heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 it, it would be a very different show trying to remake it in today's current military political climate. Uh, but I, I still have a hunger for these PSAs at the very least. Yeah, and I these think, are quality. And and we trust these guys. You know, I, I trust Snow Job to get the job done in, in the snow. snow. Yeah, yeah. So like, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's just. There's something about a well-meaning authority figure telling me the right thing to do that I respond very well to. Yeah, big big dad energy. Yeah, like a like a big dad. Like, like a, a big daddy. Like a like a muscly muscly father figure who will look after you. Yeah, like a like a a large older brother that happened to sperm you out. <laughs> but then you're not alive. Uh, I guess that's true. <laughs> oh, it's like butterfly effect. <laughs> it's the buttercream effect. So, uh, but these PSAs are not always, um, you know, pro-social and sensical, right? Because uh, somebody somebody done corrupted these. Yeah, someone someone got into the... I don't... So I, I went on Know Your Meme. This was important. Uh, let's, let's look at the Know Your Meme, because, like, I don't remember who exactly did this. Uh, this was like in 2003. Eric Fensler... 
uh, dubbed a bunch of these PSAs to have nonsensical messages instead of wholesome. Uh, and he wasn't planning on uploading them. He was just like, oh, this is fun for me. But he put them on Ebon's world and like, it went viral. This was one of the first like viral weird shit things. This is, this is maybe one of the first viral thing videos that I remember. Mm-hmm. Like this and Homestar Runner were kind of the two things that from, from that era of my life that I was like, oh, lots of people have seen this basically through word of mouth, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. You know, because you didn't surf the internet. You didn't have um, aggregate search engine optimization back then. You just had go to the site. And if you didn't go to the site, you didn't know about it. <laughs> so, like, this was very much word of mouth. It's like, hey, somebody re-opted a bunch of G.I. Joe cartoon PSA moments into something wacky. And they do not hold up well. They're just, like, weird mumbling they're fucking horrible. <laughs> I I I confess to, you know, quoting them to my friends back in middle and high school. They do not hold up well anymore. Were there any that you did enjoy? Like I I like body massages as well as ever. I mean, like I just like Roadblock in general and yeah, wherever he shows up I'm pretty into. He's and doing just good like work. Yeah, and like the, there's there's a there's a an artistry to nonsense humor. It is not something that you can just throw a bunch of word salad and have a joke pop out. And I feel like the artist has a glancing coincidence with that kind of humor. Well, I think it's also for a particular audience. We just didn't have anything better back then. Like, this predates YouTube poop by, like, a decade. And we just, like, there were no targeted communities back then. (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, it's... You took what you got. Yeah, this is you get what you get, and you don't get upset. I I, I don't know. It's you know I I, I the, the body massage one is is like it's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I like the you know and uh, there's um uh there you know, there's, there's some kind of minor Photoshop sort of Adobe uh manipulation behind the scenes for like if if you want to make the PSA just being this one guy talking in a weird voice over and over again without any interaction with the kids at all you can do that and it gets kind of that nonsense humor I just I I think that it was more like I hadn't seen anything like that before and it was just sort of funny the juxtaposition of something as self-serious as G.I. Joe pasted over this wacky nonsense was it was just special at the time, and mm-hmm. it is no longer special, and there are other things that do it much better. Yeah, you, you had to be there. You had to be there, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I watched a good amount of them. I also watched an entire compilation of the real PSAs, and I those do hold up. Yeah, those are actually kind of really great now. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't those... get that anymore. We only get no. the ironic stuff. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've, gone, we've gone full circle. Um, so yeah, I, I imagine that there are probably some people who are, I don't know, remember the PSAs fondly. Uh, first I would caution you, go look at them again, make sure that they actually hold up. And then second of all, let us know. Cause I, I want to know what you guys think of them now. It is such a large kind of cultural touchstone in my childhood that, uh, that, that I would be interested to see, to, to hear from people for whom it did hold up. 
So if you wanted to go to uh, fancybat.com and click our contact page and tell us about it, please let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that we are seeming to wrap up, um, mm-hmm. you know, any final thoughts to have? Um, I, I think we actually kind of wrapped up the show already. Um, yeah, ben, <laughs> I guess we kind of did. Then what are we watching next, or what are we doing next time? So next time, I believe it is finally time for the fifth annual Cartoni Awards. Woo! Yeah, we've uh, we've got some categories to sift through. We're gonna remark on how good and or not good we were in the past year plus change because we don't have a schedule that's right um yeah if, if you have any interest in taking part in that go ahead to our contact page at fancybat.com or shoot us an email at cartoncast at gmail.com and uh tell us what kind of you know, categories what, what, what kind of categories you would like to hear us uh hear us talk about zane would you like to give a couple examples of what some categories would be you know we always have the best conspiracy theories mm-hmm. um our best episode intro but then we also sometimes do some weird ones so like um you know best protagonist or best trio of protagonists or um most interesting character that wouldn't work in the other show you can kind of just do whatever yeah um, like we make them up you, most you additive have the same soundtrack rate. or um, most itching for a remake. Mm-hmm. Or like yeah, we, uh, we make all of it up and you have the same right. So please go ahead and, and let us know about that because we really want to know. And uh, please, and you know, join in. Uh, weird, weirdest like, representation of a historical figure. Yeah, they got the ideas. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a lot more superlatives. <laughs> uh, and Zane, what are we doing after that? Well then, five years is sort of a... Number. Uh, and even and a unit of time an even larger and hurdle now I than know. knowing is half the battle there you go uh so like every year we do the cartoni awards and for the fifth year anniversary i thought that we could do something special so find out what that is some other time <laughs> okay i don't even know what this is so da, that's da, cool. da, 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 da. <laughs> god that that knowing is half the battle thing is also pretty it's a good it's a good tagline isn't it i mean it's everywhere like everyone's done it yeah, I mean, you know, Family Guy guys has who... like a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of references to it. Um, yeah, but it, it's immortal because of this. Yes, and and it works extremely well because of this. In this, rather. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll. I guess we'll see what's coming up. Uh, coming down the pipe. If you want to engage with us in any way, either to suggest a show or to just comment to us in general, what you can do is go to our Facebook page. Uh, Cartoncast, or go to our website, cartoncast.com, which has now ported over to a new, uh, to be grouped under the Fancy Bat Podcast Network. You can go there and check out the other shows on the network, look at the hosts who uh, do those shows, look at affiliate podcasts that we sometimes uh, talk to. It's just a lot of good information on all the things that we got going on, and we're building it out every day. Um, if you want to drop us a line at cartoncast at gmail.com or the contact page on Fancy Bat, please do so. We really want to hear from you. We'd love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or any kind, other kind of podcast app of your choice. And more than anything else, tell your friends about the show. And tell your friends to check back at uh, G.I. Joe, because I'm curious how the youngins see it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yo, Joe, how do you know? Hey, Jane, what's the game? Hey, Wait, Fred, are, we... are you dead? 
I, I thought you were doing a AI, an AI bit. Huh? That was a bit in AI where uh, the, the, the two AI prostitutes, one of them goes, hey, Joe, what do you know? And then uh, the other one, and then uh, uh, Jude Law goes, hey, Jane, how's the game? Or something like that. And is that a like, code or is that just how they talk to each other? A it's how they're programmed. Okay. The, the AI was not that complete in those days, except for Robin Williams as uh, Zordon. AI's a weird movie. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have time to get we into We don't AI. have time. Yojo, knowing his half of that.